just I just speak my peace I just I just I just speak my peace keep my peace What's good everybody? Welcome to the 26th episode of the Speak My Peace podcast. As always, I'm the host with the most, Greg Lacey. Now, before we jump into things, I want to wish a very happy birthday to my late great aunt, Gogo, who unfortunately passed last November. Today we have been her, I think, 85th birthday. So definitely happy birthday to you, Aunt Gogo. You definitely missed um, getting a moment of silence for her. Now, to get into this episode, um, I have noticed that I've been missing you guys, shouting out you guys, the previous episode since I've came back in season two, and that's that's my bad. I always like notice it after the fact, after I record the episode, I'm like, dang, I forgot to shout out the listeners uh, in the beginning, I forgot to shout out the listeners in the end, I don't know why I keep forgetting, but by that point, it's like, alright, the episodes are recorded, I'm not going back and doing it. So, I'm going to take this time to shout out you guys for tuning in. Thank you all. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the Speak My Peace podcast. Uh, for you people who tune in every week, for you people that tune in every other week, for people that tune in whenever they feel like, for all you catching up, thank you guys for tuning in. You guys are the reason why I keep going. I greatly appreciate you. I always appreciate the feedback I get from people um, every week. Um, yeah, man. So, yeah, just thank you guys. Now, before we move on from the last episode, I had to clarify just a few things because I feel like like I know I went on a ramble and in my mind stuff was connecting but after thinking about it like after thinking about the episode and what I was thinking about I spoke about like three different things and I'm not sure if it connected with the audience so I'm just recap that to the ending of last episode just so to make sure that you know nothing went over you guys head or I wasn't speaking too fast or it just didn't make sense or anything so um the last episode when I was thinking about the sixth grader who got arrested for um, refusing to stand up for the Pledge of Allegiance and uh, say the Pledge of Allegiance and end up getting arrested because, quote unquote, he was uh, causing a disturbance in the classroom. Mine was a sixth grader. A few things that I tied into was I tied in my experience that I had with the police that I told you guys about the episode previously. Um, I tied in PTSD. That we deal with in the black community that America seems not to care about, and I think I mentioned Jesse Smollett. Um, I know what I meant by that, but I just want I'm not going to tie that one in. But my main thing in bringing that up, though, which is mainly just I was mad that you know this is the type of stuff that we subjected to as black people or as minorities in this country, and then here he is out here lying about stuff that you literally don't have to lie about because it's going on every day. You're discriminated against every day. Um, you're subject to racism every day, um, just being a member of either any minority group. Um, so I didn't understand the madness in that. But even beyond that, how I connected, you know, the sixth grader to, you know, my personal episode is like, this is the type of stuff that we go through. and I, And I think... Like that's a defense. That's a defense against black people. Is if you feel like you can't handle something, if you're dealing with a black person, you feel like you can't handle something, or you feel like you know certain words evoke a certain emotion out of you that are coming from the your verbal spec with the black person. One of the go tools is once you know 
that I've noticed, this, this is just coming from me, and it may just be me personally, but I, I've seen it with other people as well. It's just that once things get out of hand, and I don't mean get out of hand like somebody's punching on somebody or somebody getting physical, but it's just a verbal spat. Once you go back and forth on verbal spat and you feel like you're being outmatched or you feel like you're being outweighed, one defense that people turn to against black people is to call the police. And the reason why I was so mad about that, the reason why I got so riled up about that by the end of the episode, because, you know, personally, as a black person, that's not something that you necessarily want to deal with because we don't have that same line of defense. You know, we get into and it's not even that we don't have the same line of defense. We don't even think about it's not it doesn't even go in the back of it. And that's probably detriment to us in the community. We, we in the communities we're raised in and, and the type of the upbringing we have. But and what I mean by that is black people don't turn to police. That's just something that we don't. I don't know. And I'm not speaking for all black people. For the majority of black people, that's something we don't do. That's not how we were raised. We were raised that, you know, we're against the police. The police doesn't, they don't correctly police our neighborhoods. They don't poli- uh, correctly police our communities. So the the relationship between a black person or even a minority, um, but I'm speaking specifically for my black people, the relationship between black people and police is non-existent because we don't trust them. There's no trust there. If you don't trust nobody, there's no relationship. So that's not a line of defense for us. When stuff get out of hand and we feel like we can't handle something, we can't turn to the police because it wouldn't be out of the ordinary for us to call up police and then we're turned into the, rather than us being a victim, we're turned into being the uh, assailant. So the reason why I got so riled up at the end of that episode is because, you know, that is something that's afforded to someone who's not black. You feel like you something's getting out of hand, so it's like, here, let me call the police. And you may be, and I don't know what people are thinking of this, because I've never called the police or someone, and I don't, I haven't had any interactions with the police. I haven't had any reason to call the police. Granted, something never happens, you know, to where I have to call a first responder when somebody's around me, and I feel like, you know, we have to revive someone's life. I'm going to knock on wood, just because I don't want that to happen. But I've never had, I've never personally in my life dealt 911. That I can think of Maybe as a kid Playing around on the phone Or something like that But getting back to the topic My main issue with that is That's a lot of defense For anyone who's not black So you feel like Something's getting out of hand So hey let me call the police And you may be thinking That it's innocent And you may be definitely thinking Like you know I'm gonna call the police Because I'm gonna get this nigga Out of here And so You doing that For a substitute teacher Or a principal For anybody who's doing that In a 6th grader That's something that's I don't know. That's it's inexplainable. It's like I don't I don't know the understanding for it. I don't understand why you don't feel that you can ham, handle a, a verbal spat back and forth, especially with a sixth grader. Um, but even with an adult, I don't know why you feel that you have to turn to police if your life is not in danger or if you, anyone in the vicinity is not dangerous. So that's the re- if you didn't understand why I was so pissed off. That's one of the main reasons why I was pissed off because. Other people who aren't black, other people who people whose skins aren't dark, they are afforded that line of defense. Black people aren't afforded that because of the the the, the relationships we have with police countrywide. Um, and then I think another thing that I spoke about that that probably uh, in regards to that that probably didn't really tie in was you know the the different things that we deal with as far as like PTSD and the experiences, the traumatic experiences we go through. And the reason how how that tied into that rant was that this kid, and I don't know if this is the sixth grader's first encounter with police, um, but I'm gonna go on a limb and 
guess that that was a sixth grade the first encounter with police, especially with being locked up. So now this kid has this traumatic experience because for one, you're you're it's it's like it's an embarrassment. You know, you can you can act hard and you can rebel and whatever the case is. I don't know what happened in that case. I just know the kid got arrested for not standing up and for speaking about what he um, believed in and the reasons why he wasn't standing for the uh, Pledge of Allegiance and how he felt about the flag of America. But now the sixth grader is being arrested in front of his peers. Um, he's being handcuffed. And you know how police get that they they tend to ex- exert or overuse a force whenever they are handcuffed with someone. So I can imagine what happened in that situation. So how that ties into the PTSD is that now this kid is remembering this traumatic experience. Cause for one, you're embarrassed for two, you don't understand why you're being arrested. But now this kid has to go through the rest of his life. Remembering that he, I'm saying he, I, I, I remember, I, I think I remember it being a he, but I should say he or she, just because I don't remember, but I think I remember it being, a, uh, I said a he, I remember being a male, but, just for the sake that I don't remember it being a male, I'm gonna say he or she. He or she is gonna go through their lives remembering that traumatic experience for the rest of their life. Now they know that they can't trust any teacher. And sixth grade is not really a pivotal year in your school years, but it's getting close to it because eighth grade is probably eighth to ninth grade, that little transition is is kind of pivotal because you're like you're maturing from you're not really a preteen because I think you graduate eighth grade like 14 years old, but you're just about a preteen. I know a lot of 13 year olds think that they're teenagers stuff like that. It's not really the case. You you, you come into your teenage years at like maybe 15. Um, so you're transitioning in those years. You transition from your preteens to your teenage years, and that's what this kid is going to go through eventually. And so now you're going through these school year. You're going to finish middle school. You're going to go to high school. When you get to high school, you have way more teachers than you ever had in middle school. In middle school, you have a lot of teachers as well. But in high school, you have way more teachers than you had in um, middle school. And you interact with more adults and more people like supervisors and counselors and stuff. So now this kid is going to have to go through the rest of your school years. They're only in sixth grade. They're going to have to get through 12th grade and then probably go on to college. But for that time, this kid is possibly not going to have any trust with teachers are professors just because they remember the experience that happened in sixth grade. And when it's hard for them to trust, oh, I'm sorry for that loud noise. Um, when it's hard for them to trust the people who are providing the lectures or are providing the lessons, it's hard for them to follow along. And I'm not saying that this is going to be a hard experience for this kid going through. They, the kid may pass high school and middle school with flying colors, but this experience is always going to be in the back of their mind. So God forbid something happen where they feel like they need to speak up against something. And, you know, they're warned to speak up against something. This kid is going to be afraid to do that because of what happened in sixth grade. And that that's not something that's great. This is something that stifles a kid, especially with within those years where you you're really trying to find your identity. And even beyond that, they're not the whether there was a relationship with the police, like whether that kid believed in the police or not. I'm going to go on a limb and say there was really no relationship with the kid, but I don't know. I don't know what goes on in the city the kid was from. I don't know the kid's background. The kid's father can be a policeman for all I know, but I have an idea that going forward in life, this kid is not going to have a great relationship with police just because he felt like he was wrongly, uh, he was wrongly handcuffed. Uh, why am I saying wrongly? What's the correct word? Uh, I can't think of it, but just because this kid was handcuffed 
for not standing up for the Pledge of Allegiance, um, quote unquote, caused a distraction, uh, a disturbance within school. This kid is going to have a certain thought about police in the back of the mind. You already got, you already have a preconceived notion of police just because probably what you see in your neighborhood or probably what you see in your home or from what you hear from people that's older than you. So now this kid is going to have to go through the experience of life and not being able to trust the people who are providing lessons for them. Uh, and then they're also going to have an experience of not being able to trust the people who are supposed to be protecting and serving their communities. So this is how that all ties together. My whole, to tie this all up and wrap it up in a bow is stop calling the police on black people just because you feel like you can't sustain a verbal spat. You can't with a black person. If you feel like your life is threatened, then so be it. But don't feel like your life is threatened just because you're being, just because uh, you assume that, I guess, black people are not supposed to be educated, so they're not supposed to be able to stand up or fend for themselves. But don't call the police just because you feel like, all right, you know, this kid got me. I don't know what else to say now. Now I'm back against the wall. Now I'm being accused of being, you know, a racist or I'm accused of, uh, um, I'm a, whatever. Whatever the case is, stop calling police on black people. This is why we have the instances in Oakland with the, the lady calling the police on the people who were at the, the barbecue in the park because she felt like she knew the law and the black people didn't have the law, uh, didn't know the law. This is why we have the instance of the lady in New York who called the police on a little I think she was like 12 year old girl who was selling water. And if you know anything about New York in the summer, New York is hot and humid as hell. The little girl was outside just hustling, trying to sell water. Lady called water. I mean, called the police on her just because she was outside selling water. Said she didn't have a permit or something crazy like that. Um, she tried to get in back and forth with the little girl's auntie who was out there supervising her while she was selling water. And the result of that was her calling the police. The other instance, I forgot what state it was, but the kids were selling lemonade. And they tried to call the police on the kids selling lemonade. Um, and in that situation, I spoke about it in a previous episode. I wish I remember what state it was in. But in that situation, luckily the police you know, helped the kid out and to get the permit so that they continue selling lemonade. But it was like, this is... This is something that's and it's a lot of crazy stuff going on within this country um, in regards to discriminating against black people or criminalizing black people, whatever the case is. But this calling the police has got to stop because great. I'm I'm glad that because of the color of your skin that you can afford that line of a defense. We're not afforded that line of defense. And, and like I said earlier, that's probably to our detriment and I, we shouldn't be complaining about that because it's not our fault. But then again, in that same instant, it's not our fault <laughs> the way that the police are uh, policing our communities and the way the police are, uh, quote-unquote, supposed to be protecting and serving our communities, but they're doing the opposite. It's not our fault the way that police are having target practice with black bodies in these streets. So, all in all, I wanted to end, and I didn't mean to spend this much time on that last episode, but I had to clarify all this stuff. Now, to continue to share more black stories, because after all... This is the penultimate day of Black History Month. I want to speak about something that I've been meaning to bring up episodes ago. And I haven't found a time to perfectly wiggle it, wiggle it in. But I think now is the perfect time, especially coming off of, of a story of a young black child who did something great. Um, I want to shine my light on the docu-series LeBron James uh, co-produced that airs on stars called Words Liberty City. Uh, now, to give you guys a short run on what the series is about, basically, is like um, 
I don't know if any of my listeners ever watched Friday Night Tykes, but something similar to that. So what Warriors of Liberty City is, it goes into the community of um, of Miami, uh, Liberty County, so where a lot of NFL players are bred. That are a lot of NFL players are that are a lot of people in the NFL that happen to come from Miami. Majority of the time, they come from Liberty County. I think there was like a consensus of like. I think Liberty County produces the most NFL players per capita for any county in the whole country or something like that. It's something crazy. Basically, this this county breeds talent of NFL players. And so this particular docuseries follows a, um, a Pop Warner League, and the league is called the Warriors. Um, I had to give you guys a backstory just so you can understand of what it was, but I'm not going to get too deep in it. So basically, they follow lives of, if you don't know anything about Pop Warner and Pop Warner, there are different levels. There are the Tiny Tykes, the Tykes. Um, and I, honestly, I don't remember because I haven't played Pop Warner in 13 years. But it's like the Tiny Tykes, the Tykes, and up and up and up. And it goes all the way until, like I think, like 13 to 14-year-olds, whatever that is. So it follows the lives of like certain players on each team. Um, it follows their families and certain things. Documents the the stuff that, that they just go through on a day to day basis. So the reason why I'm bringing this up because I saw something that it probably didn't stick out to most people watching the series, but it stuck out to me just <clears throat> because I understood the magnitude of decision. Even though the 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 even the docu series didn't really target in or zero in on this one decision. I personally, being a viewer and being somebody from a community like Liberty County, I understood the magnitude of the decision I made. And what I'm getting to is, so there was a situation to where there, so one of the, and I'm not going to mention the, the boy's name just because his identification doesn't need to be mentioned. And I haven't actually looked up if, you know, this decision had any consequences within this community or nobody even really realized, you know, the decision or whatever. So basically... There's this one athlete who's on one of the older teams. I believe he's the, the, on the 13-year-old team. He's in eighth grade, getting ready to go to high school the next year. He has a cousin who is very popular within Liberty County who doesn't play football, but he's very popular. And there's also a girl who cheerleads for that same team that knows him and his cousin, and they're all close friends. And the girl, like the cousin, is very popular within the community. Um and so the girl and this athlete's cousin both have a birthday around the same date. And I'm sorry for the noise in the background. Uh, I'll be trying to record this damn episode during quiet times. But literally, the only day of the week, I released on Thursday. I'm not going to try to get off topic. But to make a long story short, I, I record on Thursdays because Wednesdays are the days that I have no school or anything. So it leaves me free. Well, unfortunately, I live in a damn apartment where these niggas have been... I think I'm on like month 13 of a 14 month lease. These niggas have been doing renovations for the whole 13 months. So if you hear any knocking in the back of this episode or previous episodes, I've explained it in the previous episodes, but it's still going on. And we here heading into March. Um, that's what the knocking is. Niggas are still doing renovations 13 months. And what renovations, I don't know. Cause we don't ever, you can't visibly see them. Um, they're supposed to be doing renovations on external and internal. Don't ever see the um, external renovation. But to get back on track, so the boy's cousin and the girl, their birthdays around the same day they had a party. Obviously, if you're from the hood, you're from the ghetto, you know the thing about parties is 
eventually step, something's going to pop off and niggas going to get to fight or some type of thing is going to happen. So the girl who I mentioned who was a cheerleader for the athlete's team, as I just mentioned, she was she's very popular, but she has a, a boyfriend. And so I don't know what a boyfriend is. A boyfriend uh, image was blurred out, I guess, because obviously he just probably just like an extra within the, the docuseries. So they didn't have the rights to reveal his identification or anything like that. But it was just like at a party, at a 14-year-old party. If you listen to this episode and you, and you know what it was like to go to a, a party when he was 14-year-old, you know, it's been around a bunch of young girls dancing, being with your homies, causing problems, whatever the case is. What usually happen no matter the age, if it's, a, if it's a bunch of dudes and people don't know each other, niggas get into pissing contests and they want to test every, they want to test each other. So this is what happened in this particular party. So the girl has a boyfriend, which I don't think is from the county, but he has like friends there or something like that. So they're getting into it with some people from the county, and it becomes this whole thing. So the athlete, the reason why you guys may think that he had no significance to the story. But he does have significance because this is what the reason why I want to speak on this. So the athlete who I previously mentioned, who had his cousin, who was a cousin of the boy who had the party and was a friend of the girl who had the party in conjunction with each other. Um, so basically, the athlete who I said name I wasn't going to mention, he realized he realized what was going on that you know the tensions were building, niggas were trying to fight, and he lived in a community where where kids have access to guns. So now he's just like, all right, now it's not fun anymore. You know, I came here, you know, because my cousin party and also a girl I knew. And I just wanted to have fun with some of my friends. And now just like this has turned to a whole thing. I don't understand why it has turned to this. So he ended up going outside um, just like to, to, I don't know, I think it was like to get a breather or maybe it was to find his aunt. So he finds his aunt and he tells her like, hey, uh, they're in there tripping. Basically, essentially he told her like they're in there tripping. And I think somebody is planning to, to shoot up the party um, just based off of what he heard because of being around one of the circles or whatever the dudes. Because what was going on in the party, it was two groups separated. One group on one side of the party. It was another group on the other side of the party. If you've ever been to a house party and you've ever been to a house party where there was something that popped off, you know how these things look. So you can envision what was going on. So from being around one in the group, he knew that something was going to pop off. He went outside, told his auntie all this information. She went in there and they handled it. But the reason why I was drawn to this is because I think that in a situation like that, especially the way I've grown up and the way I the way that we have um, the way that we have penalized people for snitching, the way that we have turned our back on people snitching. I thought this was brave just because of, you know, he, he also grew up in the same community as I did far worse, a community probably far worse than this community I grew up in. But, you know. What he did in disclosing information with his auntie as far as, like, people, he didn't that people about to fight and he heard somebody talking about going to get a gun, shooting up the place, essentially saved a lot of people's lives. But playing, not even playing the devil advocate, but to to not shun away the, how people may view that, some people view that as snitching. And, and rightfully so, that is snitching. But... On the other end, and this is where I was just drawn into him at, is is it's, it's not snitching. It's it was a lot of people in that party that he was close to. He was one person in the party who could have been endangered. It had someone, you know, wanted to decide to shoot up a party or anything like that. But my whole thing was this was displayed 
on a docuseries on Star. So millions of people watching it. Maybe people from, you know, his city back home that are watching it and they see like, hey, you know, that nigga's a snitch. He's the one who the reason why because eventually he told his aunt and his aunt in there went in there, she found out what was going on. They kicked some people out of the party and that was that. But I was just blown away at this kid's decision to to do that because this our type of like the the reason why snitching is shined upon is because especially for black people and this is a lot of people but not black people are not the only people that grew up grew up in um underprivileged neighborhoods and, and stuff like that but um the reason why i was so impressed by the kid is because when you grow up in a in an area like that the way that snitching is viewed that shit is like a it's like a cardinal sin so it's like you try to do everything within your power and not to be viewed as it's two things you try to you try to do growing up as a kid in those type of communities. Try not to be viewed as a snitch and make sure nobody think you a punk because literally it's literally all you got is, is your reputation. Um, so the reason why I was so impressed by this kid is, is he made the decision and he saved a lot. And I don't know if somebody that's actually gonna shoot up the party, but he potentially saved a lot of people's lives and he wasn't worried by what he would be viewed as because he just wants to have fun. You know, he's not somebody who he, I think his uh, father is in, I think his father is in prison. His cousin's father is in prison as well. So they both like raised by single mothers. but it's like often at times a situation like that, you literally raised by the streets. And what I mean by that is you don't have, you have no father figures around. You may have cousins that may be around and they might not, they may not be living the best life. They may be in the streets like your father and your uncle was. You may have uncles who may be, living the same lives that their brother was. So it's like the the options are very limited as far as the the male figures that lead you to doing the correct things in your life. So you tend to adapt to certain thinking and certain views of how people around you grow up or how people around you are raised. And speaking speaking from personal experience, that's kind of how I was raised and and it wasn't even like somebody was force feeding any information to me, but it was just like a kid. I and I don't know why I did, but as a kid, like I knew a lot of stuff as a kid. Um, you grew up in those type of places, you tend to 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 know a lot of stuff because you're very curious and you want to know why stuff is going on. Especially like if you grew up in a place like I grew up in Compton and something that game banging is everywhere. You want to know why people are game banging. You want to know who is game banging what, so you know who to stay away from. You know who to deal with and stuff like that. But as a kid, I was privy to a lot of information just because I was curious. I was curious as to okay, if I'm growing up in a city where this game banging is two sides, I wonder if my parents game bang and my parents do game bang. I wonder what side they affi- uh, affiliate with. All right, now further than my parents, I wonder if my uncles game bang and if they do game bang, what side they affiliate with. Now that I have, further than that. I have cousins that's around me and I have the same question as far as that. So now that I have all this information, I know where everybody is from. I know what side um, they affiliate with. I know where they live. I know who their friends are. That's a lot of information to take in as a kid. So you kind of tend to draw yourself to a certain, certain side as well because of the people who you look up to. Like as a kid, I honestly thought I was a game banger just because of this is the, that was the, the area I grew up in and I knew people in my family that game bang, and it just so happened that a lot of people tend to be affiliated with the same side. So I figured, shit, this is what I was going to grow into because this is what my family has grown into. Um, to pick it, and not even to to go off topic, but this is why I know a lot of people like Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City album, and they like all the interludes and stuff. But this is why it was important for him to include that conversation where a nigga asked him, you know, where are you from? 
or where your grandma say or what your daddy say because that's that's a pivotal question within areas like that because it's like when somebody asks you where you're from they don't want to know that you don't game bang they just want to know where you're from so they know that they can violate you so going further beyond that and asking you where you're from or where your daddy from or, your, or where your grandma stay like that because you're affiliated with that so just speaking from somebody who's neutral in my own experience like I felt that that conversation at Kendrick Martin Cool in the album, some people might think it was just comedy and all that funny and stuff like that. That shit is real. That's a that's a real conversation that people have often because people want to know that. And you can't, people, literally, that question is asked to start something. That question is not asked because people are curious. So if you don't give them the answer that you want, quote unquote, like telling somebody that you're not from nowhere and you don't bang nothing, now they want to know who you're affiliated with. So if, you tell, if I tell somebody that I'm not from somewhere, but... I tell them my my father stay over here and my cousin stay over here. And I say, okay, then you probably with them niggas because you because that's where your family from. So you probably with them niggas, and you know, that goes on to something further. Um, but to get back on track, the reason why this kid impressed me because, as I said, this show is going out to millions of people across the world. It's not limited to the U.S., but it's primarily in the U.S. But he made a decision that not many kids in that this in that predicament can make because when we're putting that predicament as i said we have two things we don't want to seem like a punk and want to seem like a snitch and literally he was in a position to be viewed as both of those for making that decision however he was stronger than that. he was over he was able to overcome that he was able to to rise above that and I'm, and this may not even seem like that big of a deal to him or may not have seen that, that big of a deal to anybody else but this is something that uh, the whole series it was it was a it was a decent series it wasn't the greatest series but it, it was good as I, I always try to port, support LeBron and all his endeavors or whatever because I'm that big of a fan of the man but the series was good but the only reason why I say it's only good is because I'm comparing it to Friday Night Tikes and Friday Night Tikes is great in comparison to that but this kid doing that man just blew me away and honestly I don't have any words for it because that that right there is a decision that's probably going like a decision like that can help him. As I was speaking about, you know, the kids uh, that was in Florida, how the decision to stand up for his rights and stuff may traumatize him with the police with him. This decision this kid made, whether he realized it or not, is going to help him separate himself as he grows older. Because around that age, especially like, I think he was like 12 or 13, you really start to like, to to develop a sense of like, the especially when... You're only subjected to the 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 drug the the drugs the drugs the gang violence and everything else going on within the community. You tend to really draw because around like the 13, the 15, it's like you're. I don't know. I don't know if that's really your rebellious your rebellious ages. But I think like the 15 to 16 is your your rebellious. Your rebellious is it rebellious or rebellious? One of the two ages, and you tend to to draw away from you know what your parents are trying to tell you is correct. But I think with him, he's going to be so mature growing up because of a decision like that he made. He wasn't worried about the way he would be perceived for making a decision, especially with the camera bent on him. Um, just because he was fearing for something, he was fearing for his life and he was fearing for others' life because he decided to make the decision. I'm not gonna try. To, I'm not gonna speak on this too much more. But huge shout out to that kid for that uh, for that decision that he made. He may not know that that decision was as critical. As I'm making it out to be, but it was a critical decision. So let's get a round of applause, round of applause for him. (laughs) 
I had to commend him for that because you can't place too many 12 or 13 year olds in that situation and they make a decision like that. And that's ultimately because oftentimes we are just products of our environment. So we try to do whatever we can to upstamp, to upheld, uphold certain type of standards. We don't be viewed a certain way. Um, we don't want certain things getting out. But he went and he broke that barrier. That's the reason why I had to commit him. Which is also why I never spoke about him in any episode. Just because I hate to bring light to this type of stuff. But this is why I'm not surprised how this Takashi 6ix9ine situation has played out. And this is the reason why I've never spoken about him. Because he's a clown. And that's literally all he is. But, you know, he, he, he he's done his marketing well. And people actually like them for whatever reason. If you're not aware with the Takashi 6ix9ine situation, basically is a Mexican rapper from Brooklyn who gained stardom off of like his he made a lot of like loud music, which obviously kids like a lot uh these days. He had colorful hair, he had tattoos over his face, which is the ingredients of being a, a popular young rapper nowadays. But he exploited the gang community. He claimed to be a blood from some bloods in uh from blood gang in Brooklyn. He ran with the bloods in Brooklyn. Uh and but he was backed by that group. And so because of that, he claimed the gang they allowed him to claim the gang. If you not understand what that is, it's called extortion. Reason why someone like Soldier Boy can go to West Side Compton and leave out unscathed and claim their hood and leave out unscathed unscathed. Same reason why somebody like Chris Brown, who was born and raised in Virginia, who stated that on his debut album, can claim a Paru gang from Compton. Same reason why a nigga like Bow Wow can also say that he from from Bompton. It's called extortion. You pay certain gangs certain amount of money, basically like a like you basically you paying rent to claim a gang and the people bag you, and they don't speak out against you. They don't say you're not from there. And even beyond, like, star level, it happened in lower levels as well for people trying to gain attention. But those are, like, the four main the four main um, examples I can provide for you. But that's what it's called, extortion. You're giving money, you're basically paying rent, and you're allowed to claim a gang, and you keep certain people from from that gang around you, and you move with those people, and now, quote-unquote, you're from that gang. Um but that's the main reason why I never spoke with Takashi. Now you see how this situation is playing out. He that his course didn't, he didn't ran his course. He he has been his big blood. Everybody in the industry mad from coast from Compton to certain people in New York at a certain point. Uh, disrespecting some people in Chicago. And he was being backed by this gang in New York, and it turns out they was like him being him being as big of a star as he was. It put more light on the people around him. So they ended up getting caught, um, ended up getting arrested by the feds. I think they was locked up on racketeering charges. They also, you know, was locked up on, like, drug charges and uh, possession of weapon charges and all the stuff like that. So, like, they basically had a, they arrested multiple people. Now they've been arrested for multiple months, and it turns out that he is snitching on them, that he, that he is coming forth and he's snitching on people he's running with. That's exploiting a community. Like I was just speaking about in my example, like you grow up in a certain community and you are you don't have too many options as far as outlets of what to turn to either sports or the, what previously 
Um, I think it's different now, but it is still there. But it's like growing up in certain neighborhoods, you subjected to certain type of lifestyles and you don't have too many options to turn to as far as outlets. So to see somebody, this Mexican kid from Brooklyn claiming a gang and exploiting gang culture, um, I'm not surprised to see that he decided once they gave him, they told him what his years was going to be in prison. I'm not surprised that he has decided to snitch on the same people who was backing him because that's essentially what it like. And I don't think it's fair because I want him to do his time because you made your bed and you lay in it. But it's just like certain people are certain people aren't made for certain things and stuff look good because we live in a time now that clicks. And what I mean by clicks is like website clicks or Instagram likes and stuff like that. That generates certain revenue. So, you know, him pretending to be a game banger and him running with a certain crew, it, it got him to a certain level of stardom to where it propelled him higher than more than artists who have been rapping for a long while just off of this, off of that. So now that he decided to turn on the people he was running with and decided to censor them so he could get his freedom, the reason why that doesn't surprise me is because he wasn't built for that. It's certain people, it's like, you are there's there's obviously there's there's rules to the street and the same reason why I was just commending a little kid. If you're going if you're going to play a certain role, then you have to play a certain role. What the reason why I commended the kid in the Stars uh, docu series was because at that tender age, at that young age, he decided to not play by the rules of the street. What I mean by the rules of the streets are. And I'm not going to break down the rules of the streets, but what I mean by playing by the rules is like if you live a certain lifestyle, if you lead a certain lifestyle to make you to make people think that you are playing by those rules, then you are of the streets because that's how someone carry you and they expect you to act a certain way. And that's that's stuck with you. Now, if you don't seem to act a certain way and you you seem like you uh you're not affiliated with anything, you feel like you're neutral and you don't pertain to that, then then that's fine. But the reason why this is the reason why snitching was okay, quote unquote, and I say snitching, quote unquote, and the young kids um, example is because that kid is not of the streets, and he made that decision when he decided to snitch. He made decisions before that, like being an athlete and going to school and doing the right thing is the type of stuff that separates you from people who want to be a part of the street life and want to be a part of whatever's going on in, in the community. But I think that decision he made. It separated him from all of that, and he may have been separated before that. But for me, from watching the series, that's what separated from that. But then you have this Mexican kid, Takashi Six Nine, who was pretending to be of the streets, who was living by certain rules. Everybody know one of the rules of the street. The reason why I I commended the young kid, one of the rules of the street is don't snitch, don't snitch on the people who's supposed to be supposed to be uh, loyal to. So to see him, you know, play by the rules of the street and then go back and say, oh, no, you know, really, I'm, I was just neutral and you know, all this. Like, it seems kind of weird, but it's just like it's not surprising. You know, gang culture has been exploited for many years since N.W.A. People have been exploited gang culture. People have been false claiming gangs. People have been wearing certain colors to make it seem like they are certain gangs. People are doing all all sorts of wild stuff for for many years. But. You know, we're really seeing it on now that we have Instagram in our hands. It's basically like the news every every minute. So now we're seeing certain things and it's more like we're more accessible to what people are doing. 
And that was just the case. And I'm really all over the place and speaking about that because, I, as I said, I didn't want to speak about the rapper Takashi 6 9 I've done so well within this episode, I mean, within this podcast of not speaking on him. But I had to just to draw certain parallels and the people in the certain games they play and people exploring certain things and people separating themselves from certain things. So I had to provide that um, example. But as far as I... As far as I know, he's a clown. I never listen to his music. I don't really care about him. Whatever happened to him, happened to him. But, you know, that's what happens. You play with the streets, you get dealt with. And what I mean by that is karma comes back around. Um, there's speculation that in uh, the agreement with him, in the plea deal of him snitching on uh, his uh, co-defendants, is he's asking for witness protection so they can protect his, I think he has a daughter or something like that, and his mother. So he asked for witness protection, but no matter what, he's going to have to answer to something because that's that, that's just how karma plays. Um, to get off of that, speaking about karma though, the New England Patriots owner Robert Kraft was arrested, or there was a warrant for his arrest because he's been cited in a, a prostitution sting and a human trafficking sting. Apparently, during one of the biggest games of the year, the AFC Championship, which is the conference championship in football, um, he was caught on camera soliciting prostitution in a in a spa one night, literally the day before. They said they caught him on camera twice within a 17-hour interval. But basically, one night, he went to a, a massage parlor, got a happy ending, left came back the following morning and he uh got the same thing. All this was recorded on camera. Him paying the girls on camera, him getting oral and manual sex uh manual. I never heard it before. Um I read about this, whatever. But he received oral and manual sex. Um that's my first time here, manual sex. And there's a warrant for his arrest because of his involvement in this. And the reason why I say Karma comes back around because in the two years that Colin Kaepernick, everything comes back to Colin Kaepernick. I'm never going to speak about football without speaking about Colin Kaepernick. But um, in the two years that Colin Kaepernick got been blackballed from the NFL, there's been three prominent team owners that's been vocal and keeping him out and not allowing players to deal for the national anthem. One was the Texas owner, Bob McNair. He ended up dying last year. He was the one. With the famous quote of not letting the prisoners run the asylum, um, the second one. Now, I don't think Robert Kraft is going to face any serious damages as far as like getting arrested because the nigga's a billionaire. You know, what I think about billionaires, especially white billionaires. It's nothing to settle. Uh, it's nothing to to put some money in some people's pockets and make sure you get off with a slap on the wrist. And also. Bob McNair is a close friend of number 45, so I'm pretty sure he can listen to help in that. And then the third owner, who has been vocal and keeping Colin Kaepernick out of the league, was the owner of my former uh, favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. So if something happens to Jerry Jones, I certainly will believe in karma. Um, this was a sense of, this was obviously wrong. The man, Colin Kaepernick, didn't deserve to be outed doesn't deserve to be blackballed in the NFL, but he is, and that's currently what's going on. But and as I previously stated in other episodes, I don't speak I don't speak bad on the dead, but it's just I I, I don't think it's a coincidence that 
there's three people who has been who has been vocal on keeping this man out of the league, and one of them has passed away, and the other one is currently facing charges and uh, prostitution and um, human trafficking. Now, something happened to Jerry Jones. Definitely gonna believe in karma. I don't want to stay there for too long, but um, I did just want to mention. I spoke about it on the last episode before I had uh, left that I was going later in the day to the uh, commemoration of Malcolm X because the episode released. It was a day of it was the sixty fourth, sixty fourth anniversary of the day Malcolm X was killed, and so every year, as I stated, they held a commemoration in his. Uh, in the Malcolm X Center, Malcolm X and Betty Shabazz Center, Betty ba- Betty Shabazz, obviously his wife, um, they held a commemoration for him, and so I went there last week. It was great. A bunch of people showed up. Uh, one of his daughters was there. Um, I want to pr- mispronounce her, her name, but I think it's Ilsiah. Um, how you pronounce her name? She provided. She uh, had a speech, which was great. Um, they had a panel after. Uh, I wish I remember everybody on the panel name, but the one name I did remember is Tamika Mallory because obviously I see her name a lot. She's one of the activists that's very active early within helping the uh, founders of Black Lives Matter movement. She's been um, active within helping them early in the stages, and she's one of the two people that's um, been putting together the Women's March in Washington, D.C. that's coming up. Um, I don't know when it is. I think it's in March. Or I'm just thinking March because it's in March. But the the one that was held in 2017, I think, uh, she was one of the two people that was uh, ahead in that one. And so it was great all around. But the reason why I brought that up and speaking about the NFL is because I don't watch, as I always tell you guys, every episode I bring up the NFL. I've been on a boycott as long as Kyle Kaepernick went out. So I don't really follow the NFL too much outside of stats that I watch when I play fantasy football. But, um, there was a woman there, a black woman there, at the end of the uh, Q&A. I mean, at the end of the panel, they had a Q&A, and there was a woman there that stood up, and she gave her testimony about, you know, just a lot of people, ask, some people ask questions for the panelists, and some of them were just giving their testimonies about, you know, Michael Mack's legacy and how much he has done for them and the inspiration he has for them. And then there was just one woman that stood up. And she gave her testimony. It was a great, powerful testimony about, you know, people trying to keep her out and people trying to close doors on her and what it took for her to get to where she got. And then in the end of her testimony, she told us that she was the first uh, black. I don't know if it was the first black woman NFL coach or first woman NFL coach. But the lady who ended up standing up and speaking was Colette Smith. She is an assistant coach for the New York Giants. It's a black lady. So she got a standing ovation, and she did speak about Colin Kaepernick within her testimony as well, talking about how great he was, how great he is, and efforts that he's doing within the community. And as far as just him being a martyr for the movement, um, which some of those is not surprising to me because a lot of people support Kaepernick, but I never know how people within the NFL feel because, as you know, we know not a lot of athletes um, stand by him, and not too many coaches or owners, you know, speak out. For him rather than against him So to see her stand up um, For her to even be in that building For Michael Max was, was was great But for her to see her stand up And then also talk kind of Kaepernick into that It also just like it was something great to see Because I never know how people feel about him um, Especially people within that uh, Within that league So who shout out to Colette Smith Who was the first black woman Coach in the NFL <laughs> 
All right, now, before we get out of here, one last thing. I was just reminded as I was speaking about the commemoration for Malcolm X. It has nothing to do with the commemoration for Malcolm X. However, it was something I was meant to speak on earlier because it tied in to the example I was giving you guys with the kid from the Warriors of Liberty City's uh, docuseries is opioid, I'm not opioids, the crisis, crisis in America and how the AIDS, the aid in response to crisis are not tailor-made for black people. So we have to do better for ourselves and the way we treat certain things. We see, uh, you know, one big, one huge crisis in the United States right now is opioids. Um, the opioid crisis is, is huge because there's kids in the suburbs and there, there's kids who aren't black who are turned to drugs and prescription drugs and they're overdosing on them and now there's a huge problem in America to where they're cracking down on the big pharmaceutical companies that are advertising these drugs and uh, trying to find out why these drugs are so accessible rather than locking up these kids or and I'm not saying everybody should be locked up for it but this is how they responded to it if we compare the opioid crisis to the crack which is wasn't called a crisis when it happened crack was literally called an epidemic and when crack really started booming in the 80s uh and somewhat in the early 90s you know this wasn't the same response they wasn't trying to crack down on how crack because we all know what well, you should know by now if you listen to this podcast you're probably old enough to have acquired the knowledge to understand that majority of the crack and cocaine that was uh being implemented within this country that was being flown to this country the government had a large hand in placing it in the country. However, that's another topic. But as a response to the crack epidemic, pay attention to my words because it's called it was called you literally referred to as epidemic. It wasn't called a crisis as the opioid is now because of the two different people who were um, affected by it. So the crack epidemic in the '80s, they were cracking down on it, and not no pun intended. But they were cracking down on the users and the uh, not the user the the abusers and the dealers. So what I mean by that is people were being locked up for possession of it, whether it was intent to sell or it was just use. People were being thrown in jail for it, and it carried on to the '90s and the early 2000s when marijuana became big. People were the same thing was happening, and marijuana is a as a less serious drug. But however, people were, were are and still to this day are are um, receiving. Extended synthesis over a drug that's really not that serious. However, now that marijuana is becoming illegal, we see more you know white people getting into the industry and selling legal marijuana because in certain states it's legal. Um, and that brings us back to the to the opioid crisis. Is now it's a it's a problem in the United States because of the people it's affected by. So now, as an, in turn, the the government is trying to. Crack down on you know whether they should go. Then I what I should well, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. They're cracking down on the the big pharmaceutical companies, the people that are advertising these drugs, trying to figure out why these drugs are so accessible, rather than doing the same thing they was doing, rather than responding the same way they responded to the crack crisis. <laughs> and what that brings me to is what we have to do within ourselves in the black community, um, in, in, in the inner cities, because you know. We understand, or we we seen numerous examples of how America feel about us and America treat us. So my before we get out of here, my whole thing is I think going forward, and we have been doing a we have been doing a great job and progressing in this discussion because you you hear about mental health a lot, especially like within the, the inner cities and stuff. I think as adults, which I believe most of our listeners are, we have to do 
continue to do greater jobs in influencing the youth to 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 speak up to to be able to to share their emotions to be able to to speak about their feelings and also to, to get them aid because oftentimes in this inner city you go through stuff that people go through in third world countries you know going hungry having no having no food having no shelter um and that's just a part a portion of it you know being in the inner city you also are exposed to a lot of things that 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 make you grow up faster you know seeing someone get killed um often often you know seeing being in the vicinity of, of crimes happening that have nothing to do with you um and a bunch of other crazy stuff like even like the and the reason why i bring this up because i think this is another thing that america tackles too which is ptsd and i think they they limit or try to limit ptsd to soldiers but not all soldiers have ptsd and um and it, I mean, it's and it's not exclusive. I'm not gonna say not all soldiers. Not PTSD is not exclusive to our military. PTSD is not exclusive to p- victims of sexual assault or sexual abuse. PTSD is also happening within our communities. But as I just said, America and the government they don't really care about us. So we have to do better jobs in addressing this and recognizing this and getting help for our children. Like um, it just like it, it's 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 weird things. That we are, that it's normal to us, but because we think it's normal, we think it's okay, and it's not okay. Um, just to give you guys just a small example, like for instance, with me, because I've been in situations where I know that you know somebody didn't, didn't something bad to happen to somebody because they wasn't paying attention, or somebody didn't, was looking for somebody and they came into a room and they found that person and they did what they had to do and they got out. One problem with me, I think, especially like within my adult years, has been like. When I go out to eat, and, and I think I don't think it's weird, but I think other people find it weird. But um, when I when I go out to eat, it's always it's it's essential for me to be able to see the door. And this is just this is just a way. This is just from examples I've heard, and this is from from situations I've been placed in that I always have to see the door. Even especially if I'm somewhere I don't know where I am, I have to be able to to have control of whatever situation may break out because I, I i'm a guest here i don't know what's going on even if i do know where i am this is something that i always happen like i go out to eat with people and, and and this happened many times within my adult life it's like i would go out to especially like going on a date or something um you know girls may have want to sit a certain way and they may think nothing up and they just want to sit certain they just want to sit you know by a certain seat or something like that um I will literally try my best to, to to make sure I'm the first person to decide where I sit, just so that the the person I'm with doesn't get the seat that I need to seat. Because I need to be able to to uh, survey the room and stuff like that. Even beyond that, it's like um, being outside. I'm always a, uh, like I'm, I listen to music majority of the time I'm outside, especially here in New York. But um, and I think that's probably more time I'm outside. I'm here in New York. I'm back home. I'm not really outside that much. I'm not really walking the street that much. But I'm always surveying, and that's just a second. That's a second instinct. But that's that's human nature where I come from. Because you know, not surveying where you are, it that can lead to your death. Point blank, uh, simple. Um, I that's something that I that I've learned growing up. That's something that I've seen in many instances. That's something that you know have led to many people deaths god forbid something like that happened to me or something like that happened to anybody i know but this is just certain things i love this is certain things that i have picked up 
growing up in that type of community and growing up around those type of people and being raised by by those type of people that have been subjected to certain things like that for all their lives. Um, so that just one instance for me. But I think going forward, we just have to continue to progress this conversation as far as you know addressing PTSD, addressing you know get, seeking our, getting our kids help as far as like mental health and everything. Make sure the mental health is straight because we have to understand that our kids are not growing up the same way other kids are. And most times they they're more mature than kids in their age range in other areas, and sometimes they're not. But either way, they're still though know, experiencing a lifestyle that no kids should have to go through. So I think that whatever the case is, whatever I don't know what it is, what steps we have to take, but let's just continue to keep progressing as far as that conversation go. Um, I don't have too much more. This is the penultimate day of Black History Month. Hope you guys celebrated well. If you haven't, you still got one more day, man. Get out there. Um, educate yourself on something Get out there in the community Do some hands on work uh, Support somebody Support something Black um, Do whatever you gotta do For this week I don't have a specific What to watch But this past week uh, I mean this Current week Episode of Blackish They focus on Black History Month That's a pretty good episode But even beyond that You know Watch something That's executed That was produced by A black director Or written by Written by a black writer um, That features You know Black Lead actors, um, even besides watching, you know, read something that was written by a black author, do something to support some somebody. Um, from my well, I'm gonna get to my what to listen, uh, my best kept secret. Um, what was I about to say? Um, I do want to thank you guys for tuning in. Um, there won't be no episode next week. I'm going on spring break. I won't be home for a whole week. I'm gonna be on a cruise, so don't expect the episode next week. However, thank you guys for tuning in. Um, this week's best kept secret is City Blues by Toby. Once again, this week's best kept secret is City Blues by Toby. I'm out. Singing knees, Manchester City Blues, drowned by living a pool of liquor's truth. Who only talk about bitches and never about business Misogynistic till they sisters get involved Then it's vengeance in the name of feminism, of course Bragging about who they piped down in high school, fool What about right now? Ooh, you wanna fight clown? Want me to put the mic down and leave me Mike Brown Light brown, soaked in the concrete Just beyond God's reach So tell me what's next Boys in blue paint the town red from all the bloodshed Still interrogating myself Tell me how do crocodile tears fall from dry wells You can't confuse fedora boy for a suspect The pen was the murder weapon, the muse, the weeping woman Still trying paint Picasso circa 1937 It's true, I'm just paying my dues and my dudes You out preying my moves, I'm focused on my own too And keep singing these Manchester City Blues Drown my living a pool of liquor's true Do you work? I might define my name 
working like there was two of her Can't let this motherfucking nine to five, ten to eight ruin her Meanwhile, I'm jumping through the hoops of dodging daily news And being with groups with young dudes who moving tough Now she's stressing and thinking the baby doing drugs A little weak, but I might as well have been shooting off Ain't for gold so high, they got me shooting up But chasing dreams and for kids who got no time For looking up to the stars with leaks all in the ceiling plus I was chilling, just trying to make me a killing, bruh I remember young Tony Tales from the hood I remember teachers never had my name on the stud Look, ain't with the back and forth like racquetball or basketball now You doing the bash, you put you on blast like a Kalashnikov I, All night is for med school, trying to crash the course I, Same minute I met it up on all the Adderall I, Look up the past and look at the battle scars Thinking to pick up the bass and taking a trip to California Yeah, 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 that's why I look in the mirror like I'm the fucking man Cause the younger me will probably be a fucking fan Look who the boy became, and I'ma hit the damn MJ, Michael Jackson, Thriller Dance, Millie Rocket, either hand, Diddy Bop is sweet, the man, trend the topic, neither I do give a damn, I just wanna see the fam winning off my Manchester City Blues, drown my living in a pool of liquor, it's true, hey. monetize my pain, and my hurt, come out to find my friend, do you work, I might to find my name, just the to fit in this little game